0: Let's go, let's just get excited, feel like clapping as we worship the Lord in this place today. Again, if you are a first-time guest with us today, we don't want you to stay a guest, we want you to turn into a family member. We want you to be a part of this family here at Walk Church, and we'd love to help you take your next step if you'd allow us to do that. And so thank you so much for joining us, and if you're just tuning in right now online, thanks for joining us here at Walk Church. We're in a series that we've titled Songs of Christmas. Songs of Christmas. By now it's December 20th and you have heard some type of Christmas music. Come on, let's just go ahead and shout out some of your favorite Christmas songs. Anybody got one? What's on your heart right now? Silent Night. Silent Night. We're going to sing Silent Night this upcoming Thursday at Christmas Eve service. So make sure you join us for that. But what are some other favorite Christmas? Holy oh, Holy Night. We're going to sing that on Christmas Eve too. What else should we sing on Christmas Eve? No, just, uh, what you guys got, Bussies? Silver bells, I like that, silver bells. What else we got, anybody else? Mary, Mary. Mary did you know, Mary did you know, that would be awesome if we sang that here at Walk Church as well, so Mary did you know, some good Christmas songs, I was thinking somebody might say. They saw Grandma kissing Santa Claus underneath, but nobody said that one, praise the Lord. That is not a Christmas favorite. That was a little strange one. I heard that on the radio, and I was like, I'm listening. I'm like, where did this song come from, right? Um, But we're leaning into the Christmas songs here at Walk Church, and what I love about this series and just this season is that the Bible actually has recorded for us the original Christmas songs from the first ever Christmas story. And so you find in the Gospels, specifically in Luke and Matthew, that there were people on the scene as God brought forth his Messiah to save the world. And there were songs written about this season. Last week we uncovered a song written by a guy by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth we uh, were not able to have children for many years. They were older in age, but that was the prayer of their heart. And then God showed up, and he sent an angel, Gabriel, to minister to them. Zechariah was in the temple, and his prayer was answered. And this broke a 500-year gap of God not speaking, and he entered into this time to say, hey, God's going to send the Messiah. And your son, Zechariah, is going to prepare the way, and his name's going to be John. We know him as John the Baptist, And he prepares the way for this Savior, and Zechariah wrote a song about it. We uncovered that one last week, but this week I want to take us into a different song that we find also in Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 39, and we're going to journey all the way through. Before we read this, let me just give you a little bit of context. Uh, What had happened up to this point was there was a young girl by the name of Mary. Everybody say, hey, Mary. Hey, Hey, Mary. Right? Mary steps onto the scene. And at this point, many scholars and historians believe that Mary was probably in her middle school to young high school stage. She was 13 to 14 years old. Some would even argue uh, younger, which is kind of bizarre because oftentimes when we think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, we see this unhappy, kind of staunch face painting, typically of a white woman who's glowing, Mary. But I just don't see her like that. I see her in Luke chapter 1 as a, a young teen who is growing up in a little town called Nazareth, this young Jewish woman who came from the line of David, who just wants to be faithful and do her part and love the Lord her God with all her mind, heart, soul, and strength. And and, and, and die and be forgotten one day, and just kind of raise up others to do the same thing. That, this is Mary from this small town, and one day God visits her, and he does it through this angel named Gabriel, and Gabriel speaks to her and says, here's this promise that God is going to use you to bring forth the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and he will save his people from their sins, and she says, I'm not even married. How will this happen? And It's not that she doubted that it could happen. She just didn't know how it was going to happen because she wanted to stay pure. And the angel assures her, well, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And the the Lord himself is going to produce this miracle where this baby will be conceived into your womb. And he is going to be the son of God and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I love how she says, so be it. Let your will be done. And she makes this journey to go visit her relative Elizabeth, who just also had a miracle, and this is where we pick it up here today. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is Elizabeth talking to Mary. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What a powerful statement from Elizabeth, assuring that Mary is hearing from God correctly. And I love how this passage affirms to us that these little babies in the womb have deep, intrinsic value to God. Amen? At this point, Mary just heard this word from the angel. This little baby, Jesus, embryo, fetus, baby, is about four or five days old. Not even a week old, and yet, John the Baptist baby in Elizabeth's womb is already worshiping, is already leaping, that this lowercase s son, John, in the womb is leaping at the sound of this capital S son in Mary's womb at just a few days. And what that shows me is that, man, these babies in the womb have great value, are precious to God, have calling on their lives have destiny on their lives, and therefore they should matter to us. Amen. I don't want to get too deep into this topic, but I just want to remind us from this text that we need to value the womb and value the life that is being made and knit together by God himself in the womb. Amen. And that God has promise and plan that even goes beyond us in our own natural thinking and this is the story of Mary and baby Jesus. Mary is greeted by Elizabeth and I think Elizabeth's confirmation of her and this baby leaping leads Mary, do you know what she does? to write a song. Mary picks it up in verse 46 and here's what she says. She says, "My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my savior." For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. I want to preach a message today. In fact, I want to title this song of Mary. If I could give this song a title, I would title it this. Look what he has done. Amen? Come on, say it with me. Look what he has done. Actually, preach it to the person next to you and say, hey, friend. Come on, do better than that. Say, hey, yo. Yo. Say, yo. Yo. Look what he has done. If you're watching this online, online, look what he has done. YouTube, look what he has done. Facebook, look what he has done. The cry of Mary's heart in this song is for us to look what God has done. Look what he has done done is this song from Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 46. I think it's important that we understand, we tap in, we lean into this song title. Look what he has done. Here's why I think it's important because we are living in a current state in our culture, in our nation, in our city where it could be so tempting. Come on, just go here with me to look at all the things he hasn't done, amen? Where we could be so tempted to think, here's what he hasn't done. Here's where he's missed it. Here's where he's went wrong. Here's where it doesn't make sense. Here's where I'm confused. Here's where I don't know. And yet, Mary could have said those things too, but he says, she says, look what he has done. In a 2020 that has been filled with chaos and confusion, and I can't promise you that it's going to lighten up, But I can promise you that our God has done some things that can encourage us today. Amen. I'm going to clap with you, Jap, because I believe God has done some things. And he's going to continue to do more as well. Let's go ahead and break this down and bring a brief exposition to Mary's song. She says in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. Oftentimes this song is referred to as Mary the Magnificent. In other words, this phrase magnify comes from that phrase that she's magnifying God with this song. She wants to make God look big. When you use a magnifying glass, it's to blow something up. Amen, right? Mary says, man, my soul magnifies God. My soul magnifies God the lord she says not just with my outward praise but my inward praise i'm going to magnify the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior inward her spirit is excited about christmas excited about the savior why for he has come on say it with me he has louder he has for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Let me go ahead and highlight these phrases right here. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. I love that we serve a God who sees. Like, I want you to know that God has eyes, and he looks, and he sees, and he knows what's going on in your life. That we don't have a God who is blind, amen? We have a God who looks, but who is he looking at? He's looking, in, according to this text and many others, he's looking at the humble estate of his servant Mary here. Humility is emphasize, emphasized in this passage. Walking in humility, walking with the spirit of humility is a big deal when it comes to the Bible. In fact, many would believe that humility is the defining characteristic of the person of Christ. And it's a characteristic of Mary, his mother. He says, God has done something. He's looked at me. God has looked on the humble estate of his servant. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less A really humble man will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. Mary says, I'm not the main point of this story, but let me tell you what he has done. I think that if I was in Mary's shoes, not that necessarily I could be, but if I were to be dropped upon a message of radical life change like Mary, I don't know if I would respond with what God has done. I might respond with, God has blown up my plans. God has messed up my life. God has, what has God done? Here's what she says God's looked at me. God has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And not only that, behold, check this out. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. I love how Mary doesn't see her interruption by God as a burden, but as a blessing. What happens is Mary says, Okay, this is all about to go down. I would be thinking everybody's about to talk about me in a bad light. And you know what? To be 100, everybody did. Mary had every insult, doubt, shade shown toward her that a person could get. And some of it is a little bit understandable in the sense that, you know, she wasn't married to Joseph and now she's pregnant. And it's confusing, but yet she knows she's got such great faith in this Savior that she goes, everybody's going to know that I'm blessed. That takes real faith, amen, to be able to say, look, God's doing something. It's kind of confusing. I don't fully get it, but it's going to turn out blessed. I grabbed one of these wristbands because it's been a theme for me this year here at Walk Church, and we have a bunch sitting over here at the table. If you don't have one, feel free to grab one. And this wristband just says optimistic faith. And what I learned about Mary in this song is, man, she has optimistic faith. Right? She says, hey, you know what? God's looking at me. He has done great things. He's going to do great things, and people are going to know it's blessed. I don't know about you, but this Christmas, when I look through this glass, I see it as half full. Is it half full or not? I'm not quite sure, but to me it is. I'm going to see it as half full. How do you see the glass? How do you see 2020? How do you see your life? How do you see your circumstance? Do you see it as half full or half empty? Here's a page out of Mary's song. See it as full. Don't focus so much on what God hasn't done when you can focus on all that he has done. God has done so much. And I think we live in the era where we're so consumed by social media comparisons and even mainstream media news outlets we tend to get the notifications all day long about what hasn't happened. And breaking news, something bad. Breaking news, something negative. Come on, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Breaking news, another person has died. Well, let's talk about somebody who is living, amen? Let's talk about something good that happened. Let's talk about something that's fresh. What's growing? Where's the life? Come on, Mary's got this focus of saying, let me tell you what he has done. She's got this sense of humility that goes before her and says, okay, it's going to work out. The spirit of humility is contagious, I believe. I like how Zig Ziglar says it, this leadership guru. He says, humility will open more doors than arrogance ever will. I want to just stop and take that page out of Mary's book, that humility will actually do more for you than pridefulness, especially to the married couples in the room. If you got one spouse that's saying, I want to be humble in my relationship, and another one that says, I want to be humble in my relationship, you guys will come together and be humble. And look up and say, God, be the center of our relationship. Children, if you want to have a humble relationship, amen, with your parents. And parents, if you want to have a spirit of humility, humility is going to open more doors for you than arrogance will. Look what he has done. Verse 49 says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary continues in her song, and she says, here's what I want you to know, Walk Church, listen up. God has done great things for me. If I'm in the shoes of Mary, I'm going to be like, God, I don't know if this is great. How do I tell Joseph? What's he going to think? Well, Matthew tells us that Joseph wanted to divorce her. It also tells us that she was potentially open to being killed, stoned to death. This was, in all reality, this was not great. I mean, I I know we love to just kind of get some glimpses of Mary, but for her, this was a difficult thing to hear and understand. And yet she goes, you know, the Lord has done great things for me. Optimistic faith, church. Turn it around, amen? One way to go throughout this season is to go throughout this season thinking all the things I don't have, all the negativities in my life. How come things aren't normal? Friends, welcome to a new normal. you got to step into the new normal and see what God has done, amen? Don't, if you continue to focus on what he hasn't done, there's no song in that. There's no streams in that. That's negative energy. What what you want to do is focus on a big God who has done great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. I love how Mary reminds us that God has done great things. I think it's even just taking a breath is great, amen? That we can champion that we can breathe that we can see that we can be that we're here sitting praise god for chairs amen we need to get a new reimagination of things that we do have i was teaching this lesson to my son yesterday who's 5 years old i i had this memory come upon me as i was thinking about this text and sometimes i Take my little boys, we got, Nina and I have a five-year-old uh, coming up on three years old and a one-year-old, and I'll just do a little roller coaster with them down the stairs. <laughs> and my five-year-old was upset because he didn't get to do the first roller coaster ride, and so he was upset, and he came in the room, he, he's got these little furrowed up eyebrows. He said, I'm upset. Here's what didn't happen. And I just had this word on my heart, the merry mentality. And I said, but what did happen? And I said, take a deep breath. I said, wow, you're breathing. I said, praise God that we are actually sitting in a house right now, and there's even stairs to go down. And then I really messed him up. I said, what's that right there? And he said, that's a Christmas tree. And I said, what if you didn't have any presents at all to open? And all of a sudden, you just started to see his face change. Like I'm actually cool, Dad. <laughs> right? I'm good. I'm good. Praise God for what you do have. Amen. Be thankful for what you do have. Just look around. Wow, I'm not doing so bad. I'm actually doing better than most. And I'm here. Look what God has done. He's done great things for me. In fact, I can't complain about what I don't have when I'm focused on all that I do have. God has done great things for me. This is a page out of Mary's song on optimistic faith. She says, and this mercy that God has shown me is also for you. I love how Mary had this generational promise that said, don't don't stop with me. This is going to go to the next generation and the next generation. She says, look, this mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Do you fear the Lord this morning? Because if you do, you're in the right place. Do you have a healthy, real, authentic fear of God? Some of you are like, I don't know about fear. I mean, like me and God are cool. Like we hang out on Sundays. And the truth is you and God are like kind of like a business relationship. You're like, all right, look, I'll go to church. I pay my tithe. God, you bless me. Good. And God's like, yeah, I don't really know if I work like that. God is a relational God. And God is saying, I want you to have a right relationship with me. And until you fear me and have a reverence of me and have an honor of me and my holiness, because holy is his name. In other words, his name is set apart from your name. God is really, 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 really big. And you're really, 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 really small. And if you were to actually see God face to face, you would probably be like Isaiah that says, I can't look because he's too holy and I don't want to die? You'll begin to fear God, but but good news is that when you begin to fear the Lord, you begin to tap into mercy. Mercy is this gift from God. It's defined as something that we get that we don't deserve. Mercy is us not getting what we do deserve. What does that mean? Well, the reality is we all deserve death We all deserve hell. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've all missed the target. God has painted this target for us. God, his glory, and living right in right relationship with him. We've all strayed away at some point and missed it. And so because of that, we deserve punishment. And we're on our way to that. It's called hell and eternity apart from God. But what God does is he intercepts through this baby. Amen? And says, I want to actually change that course of your life i'm going to change the direction by sending my son and he's going to show you mercy even though you don't deserve it and mary's talking about it in fact she's singing about it look what god's mercy has done for me and this mercy is extended to you but you have to ask this question do i fear the lord do i honestly have a holy fear of god that changes the way i live that maybe you would actually say no to specific sins in your life. And somebody would say, hey, what's different about you? How come, you don't, how come you're no longer sinning? And you would say, because I fear the Lord. Wow. What a witness. Hey, Hayden, how come you're not going to the same places you used to go to? How come you're not hanging with the same? How come you're not doing the same thing? How come you're not watching the same thing? I, you know what? Because I have a actually fear of the Lord. I don't take God loosely. I take God seriously. That's what it means to have a a righteous fear of the Lord. And when you start there, oh, you start rightly. The book of Proverbs is one of my favorite books in the Bible. You hear me quote the Proverbs often. I find myself talking about the Proverbs in everyday conversations all the time because I read through this book every month. In fact, this morning I read Proverbs 20, and it was an on-time word for me. But in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, I read this every first of the month. It's a reminder I need every month. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You might be sitting in here thinking, man, this is foolish talk, bro. I despise that. I didn't call you a fool. The Proverbs did, all right? This right here, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge. When you start to fear God, you're, you're starting right. You're starting well. You're starting with a winning mentality. Friends, that's a merry mentality. I don't, you guys, Some of y'all know me. I'm a basketball fan. I'm a basketball player. I love Kobe Bryant. This year has been hard for me dealing with the death of Kobe and... A lot of times I'm thinking, okay, I need that mamba mentality. Because Kobe had the mamba mentality. And the mamba mentality was do whatever it takes, whatever it costs. Finish the game. Hit the shot. Be a leader. Always lead in the front. But you know what? What I recognize this Christmas is, I want to have the mamba mentality. But even more than that, I want to have the merry mentality. I want the merry mentality. The merry mentality says, I'm not going to focus on what God hasn't done. Come on, I'm going to focus on what God has done. Done. I'm going to step in with optimistic faith. Look what my God has done. That's the Mary mentality. When everybody else is complaining, step in and start praising. When everybody's talking about, here's all the things that hasn't happened this year, just go ahead and step in and start naming all the things that has. That's the Mary mentality. She wrote a song about it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Let's keep on working. Verse 51. She continues in her song, Luke. 151, Mary says, he has, I love it. Come on, she's on a roll, amen. He has shown strength with his arm. What else, Mary? He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. What else, Mary? He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. We should do a whole sermon series called He Has. Wish we had enough time to break down each one of these verses, but we'll just go ahead and give them a quick treatment. He has shown strength with his arm. Come on, how many of you love the characteristics of God? I'm grateful that our God is buff, amen? You didn't think you were going to hear that at church. Our God has been in the gym. Come on, somebody. He's got strong arms. We don't serve a scrawny, feeble Jesus. who can't. He's a carpenter, all right? He's lifting stuff up. He's picking it up, and he's a big God with strong arms, and he's shown strength with his arm. Mary says, let me talk to you about my God's strength. Let me talk to you about how my God has arms. He can pick up your problems and change them. He can change the course of your life, the direction of your life, maybe heading one way. God is strong. You might have a, a thought that you're like, you know what? I got a lot of problems. I don't know if God's strong enough. Yes, he is. Come on, say, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Come on, say it one more time. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Mary knew this. Mary had to recognize, you know what? I don't understand it all. I don't get it all, but I know my God's strong. He has shown strength with his arm. What's something else he's done, Mary? Well, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Mary's teaching us that when our hearts are prideful, when our ways are prideful, when our, when our mentality is prideful, what happens is our hearts start racing and our hearts start having all these thoughts and our hearts start getting consumed and bogged down by fear and our hearts start getting bothered and our hearts start going all, oh, here's what I don't have, here's what I need. Our hearts start getting scattered and that's why we feel depressed and that's why we feel cycled because our Our thoughts and our hearts are so scattered, but Mary's saying, hey, look, you know what? If you let go of the pride and embrace the fear of the Lord and embrace humility, it's going to start opening up lanes for you. It's going to start entering freedom for you. This song for me is about getting set free. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you feel like your heart is very scattered if you feel like, man, the thoughts in my heart are all just so scattered and I can't get a grip, here's what you need to ask. God, where am I being prideful? Where, where do I need to let go of this pridefulness? Where do I need to embrace humility? Where do I need to let go of fear of man and fear of the world and fear of sin? Where do I need to embrace fear of God? I think so often we're, we're consumed by things that we fear that God never told us to fear. In fact, God has not given us a spirit of fear, amen? The only thing we're called to fear is Him, because He's big and He's holy. I read this quote from a motivational speaker recently named Les Brown. He said that too many of us are not living our dreams because we're living our fears maybe God today would say, hey, look, stop living in fear of the world and stop living in fear of sin and stop living in fear of what other people think. I'm grateful that Mary, she wasn't living in what others thought about her. She said, I'm going to fear the Lord. I'm going to trust that he's good. As we get ready to finish this up, Mary continues in her song. She says, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. And exalted those of humble estate. Mary's teaching us that the Lord is a champion at bringing down prideful people. Mary's teaching us that, you know, when we try to exalt ourselves and make ourselves look great and make ourselves be the center of attention, Mary goes, that's not how our God works. And Mary's the example, right? Like I love what Daniel Darling says in his book, The Characters of Christmas. He says, nobody knew Mary's name, nobody but God, of course. R. Kent Hughes writes on this story, he says, from all indicators, her life would not be extraordinary that Mary would marry humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel farther from a few miles from her home, one day die th- like thousands of others before her, a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere, yet God sees her. Daniel Darling goes on, he says, At, as we celebrate Advent this season and as we examine all the characters of Christmas, there is none so unlikely to be the center of this divine story as Mary. And yet, here she is. Here's why, because I think when we have humility, when we humble ourselves, when we make it less about us, more about him, God says, I can exalt you. If God knows that you'll give him the glory, he'll exalt you. If God knows that you'll choose him in public and in private, he'll exalt you. If God knows that you're going to be generous no matter what, he'll exalt you. If God knows that you fear him over than fearing man, he'll exalt you. If God knows that he can use you for his glory and you'll trust him, whether there's one person there or a hundred people there, God says, I'll exalt you. But he brings down the mighty from their thrones. People that are on their thrones compared to God's throne are small thrones. And God says, I'll bring them down. And you don't want God to have to bring your throne down. Just think about how funny that is. Like, just humor me for a second, church. Like, we literally build our own little thrones. Like, we think our social media pages are so cool. Our businesses that we start are, like, so cool. And God's like, yeah, that's right. God's like, ow. Come on, let's preach it, baby. Right? God's like, no. God's like, no, it's not. Like, it's like, it's, just do it for me. I'll bring it down. Or I'll level it up. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the humility in our hearts. As we finish this song up, it continues. Mary says, Luke 153. She's got another. He has. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. This is a convicting song from Mary, amen? She says, he has filled the hungry with good things. I love how Mary fills hungry people with good things. The question I would challenge you with, again, is are you hungry? Do you want to feast with God, or do you, are you cool with the Happy Meal? <laughs> Come on, right? I'm like, I just, want a, I just want some scraps from the table. And God's like, you're not hungry enough. This same baby Jesus, who she was prophesying about, would one day grow up to preach a sermon in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Matthew says it like this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be, say it with me. I love that word right there. They shall be satisfied. Jesus says, look, maybe the reason why you're so discontent is because you're not hungry or thirsty for me. Maybe you're hungry and thirsty for the wrong things. This is a message to me, friends. I don't know about you, but in 2021, I want to get hungrier for God. What if your New Year's resolution, come on, let me see everybody's eyes. Let me see your eyes. Come on, camera, zoom in on me for a second. What if your New Year's resolution is this prayer? God, make me more hungry for you. God, I want to be more hungry for you. What if your prayer changes for 21 and says, God, I want a new appetite for you. I want to be more hungry for you. I don't want to just flip out a scripture of a day. Oh, that was, that was cute. Let me move on. That's not a good appetite. That's like eating a Skittle. God's like, I was going to speak to you if you kept reading. Come on, somebody's clapping in the back, Teddy, right? God's saying, I wanted to actually minister to you. I, w- I actually had a word for you. This past week, I I felt like God was saying, hey, start with me. Start with the Word. Open up the Word. And I was like, man, I want to open up my phone. (laughs) anybody? Oh, I'm the only one. All right. (laughs) And so I said, okay, I only got like five minutes. I can scroll or go to the scroll. I'll go to the Word. Come on, right? I want to go to the Word, right? And so I went in the Word. I didn't recognize that I would be having a moment when I met with somebody that needed that Word. Sometimes God wants to speak to you. So he could speak through you if we'd get hungry for the word or for prayer. I was in prayer recently and God started to drop people on my spirit that he wanted me to reach out to that I wouldn't have heard if I wasn't hearing, if I wasn't hungry. And you know what I found? I'm more satisfied then. Well, I've been getting some of those notifications on my phone that say, they're so annoying. Dear Mr. Ratner, this week you spent this many hours on, I'm like, oh, good night, on screen time. I wonder what, we would probably be convicted if God gave us a notification. He said, hey, this is how much time you spent with me, <laughs> right? You, you spent a good 13 minutes with me all week, right? Something like but we're spending four, five hours on stuff that's ultimately not satisfying us. Amen. But God says, if you get hungry for me, you're going to be satisfied. Mary says that he fills the hungry with good things. The rich he sent away empty. I want to I challenge you one more time. We're almost done with this sermon. Let's get hungry in the new year. I mean, don't have to wait. Get hungry today. But in 2021, friends, listen to me. We're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting for 21 days straight, for three weeks straight from January 4th to January 24th for 21 days. Every day we're going to be sending a push notification if you got the Walk Church app. If you don't, download it. And also follow our social networks because we're going to be giving a push notification on our social of a prayer point and emphasis for each of the 21 days. And their are hunger prayers. They're deep in prayers. We're going deeper with God in 2021. This is not the time to retreat. This is the time to go deep. The phrase "deepen" by definition means to move past the shallow. Maybe your relationship with God feels very shallow like you're in the kiddie pool. God's like, can we go deeper finally? I want to teach you something. And so for 21 days straight, we're going to get hungry, physically hungry too. And I love what fasting is. Fasting is saying this physical hunger, I'm turning into a spiritual hunger. Maybe you might say, I'm going to fast from desserts. Well, when you get that crave for that sweets, I'm convicting myself right now, right? I'm going to go and use that as a trigger to go to God. To open the word. Maybe you might say, I'm going to fast from sodas. Or I'm going to fast, whatever you're, maybe you might do a Daniel fast, which is really radical. Or maybe you might do a specific, different type. There's all types of different fasts. We're going to be talking about that in the coming weeks. But I just want you to, to say, okay, I'm going to live out Mary's song. I'm going to get hungry. 2021, what's your, what's, your, what's your word for the year? Does anybody ever do that? What's your theme for the year? Hungry. Hungry. Hungry for God. I'm hungry for God. like man what how come you don't do that anymore i'm not even hungry for that <laughs> i'm hungry for god and what i found is according to mary is that every time i get hungry for god he fills me with good things the lie from satan is if you get hungry for god it's going to be bad things if you get hungry for god it's going to be boring things have you ever heard this whisper from satan If you really live out your faith in Jesus, you're going to be like the, like it's going to be so like unadventurous. Read the Bible. It's adventurous. The disciples are walking on water. At least Peter was, right? Raising people from the dead. I mean, just like healing demons, uh, walking, talking. Jesus is big. He's in action. Let's get hungry. The rich he has sent away empty. Let me go ahead and speak to some audience today that maybe your desire is to be rich. If your mentality and your desire is to be rich, it has a promise connected to it. Empty. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. God uses money to accomplish his mission. Money in itself is not a bad thing, but when you turn money into God, it's empty. The goal is not to be rich on anything but God. Mary says, look, I'm not going to be rich, but I got the Savior with me. I might not have a ton of money, but I don't need to have a ton of money to be satisfied and filled. We have much to learn from this song from Mary here today. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. God remembers his mercy. He helps his servant Israel as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary is writing a thoroughly biblical song. Mary's song is laced with the Old Testament promises. She is going back to Abraham, to his offspring. She's remembering how Israel has been God's chosen people and in Christ we're included in his chosen people as well because he rescues and he saves and he calls and he heals so I love how Mary is reminding us all that he has done he has done as we close this time right now I just want to remind you to really consider these words that he helps, he remembers, he calls. And I love what Mary says when the angel finally gets ready to depart from her. She whispers these verses um, out of Luke 137. Mary says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Come on, if you believe that right now, just repeat it after me. Say, for nothing will be impossible with God. All three of y'all, appreciate it. Let's try it again, if you believe it. For nothing will be impossible with God. That was Mary's heart. Mary, come on, right? Mary said, look, how is this going to happen? Well, stop focusing on all that he hasn't done. Oh, press into all that he has done. Amen? When you do that, things change. Nina and I were doing this last night on our date night. We started to think, man, when we started this year in 2019, we, we finished up 2019 and we had this, we had this list of all these different events that I was scheduled to speak at. We had a trip that we were planning on going on and all these different things. And we just started to think, man, all these things just didn't happen. But then we started to think, but what all did happen? the closeness that we've been able to develop even in our young family, all that God has done, and it just just becomes to overtake all that hasn't happened. We begin to realize everything that hadn't happened was for our good anyway. So I want to invite you right now to pray with me. And we'll go to the Lord and let's thank Him for what He has done and for all that He's going to do in our lives. Father, we love you. We trust you. God, we need you. God, we thank you. And God, if there's somebody here today that's been down, their thoughts of their heart have been scattered, they don't know what to do, they don't know where to go, they don't know what to say, God, I pray we would take a page out of Mary's book right now and come to you. We come to you hungry. We come to you thirsty. We come to you needy. Fill us, God. Fill the room. Lord. Fill our hearts. Fill our minds. Fill our desires. God, fill us. Help us to have a right fear of you, God, like Mary did. Help us to have the Mary mentality. Oh, God, give us the Mary mentality. And God, for those who don't know you, Jesus, online or in person, if they need to be saved right now, today's the day of salvation. Today you can call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you, God. You covered all of our sins. You paid for our past, present, and future sins. You shed your blood to save us, God. And not only that, but God, you rose from the grave. You rose, you rose, you rose defeated death and hell and you have called us your own so Jesus I do pray for everybody here right now and watching online God if somebody needs to get saved right now that they would surrender their life to you just call on his name right now just say Jesus Jesus save me Jesus change me I believe God I believe direct my paths fill me with your Holy Spirit I turn away from my sins I fear you, God. I believe in you, God. I receive you, God. Meet me here. Encounter me, God. Don't scatter my thoughts. Fill my thoughts. I want to be hungry for you, God. Help me to have optimistic faith for your glory and our joy we hear you today Jesus say yes In Jesus name Amen